my man, here we are. Uh, Lucas, such a pleasure to have you. We've had uh, a few beautiful conversations ever since meeting a few, a few, a few months ago now, and I'm actually really excited to have one that is actually recorded for the world to hear. So, welcome and and thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you, man. Really a pleasure being here. Like you said, we had a lot of exciting conversations, so let's have another one. Exactly. Let's have another one for the world to hear. And it's really, it's like before going into the conversations, I usually try to plan, all right, what's the best angle? What's the best uh, way to approach this? But for you, especially, there's so many of those. There's so many where we could get started. The idea that just came up while we're uh, chatting before was like the inner journey is a big subject of ours and and there is no better trigger for inner growth than the web3 space because it is just it goes in so many places it goes so fast and we've both had a, a pretty let's call it interesting past year with a lot of a lot of lessons and i i'd love if we could start here with like how was the past few months? How did you live through Web three? How did your, how was your inner journey for that part of the path of the journey? Such a big question. I mean, the last few months it wasn't connected that much to Web three. I mean, what I'm doing, I'm working with people in Web three, and I'm doing my own business, so it wasn't related that much. Um, however, like like looking back with like what happened with the market and like with my journey being normal originally from Germany and like part part of the reason why I came was like the text things and a lot of mm -hmm. paperwork and um, the bottom line um, to give a bit of perspective anyway <laughs> I'm I'm 42 and for 41 years I've been like super stable never had therapy or like any troubles mentally or something and. Um, just last year in September was kind of the first time I had like a burnout and a de real depressive phase. And that was a big hallway. I can already look back at it. Mm -hmm. And that was connected with like everything I'm doing in my life. There was so many things moving. One was like getting into full-time coaching and, um, since the beginning of last year and then not having a home, having financial instability, having a lot of paperwork in two countries at the same time and uh, privately just, it's just all hit the fan at the same time. And eventually even me, which I never thought possible, was like breaking then in September. And we connected back then a little bit later, just after that, I think. Mm. That's like the bigger nutshell. Yeah. Um, the bigger story happened to me and yeah yeah in the last year and that was like in september and then i like recovered and i just noticed like i'm coming back to energy and it still is a process of getting back into the vibe i notice like i got energy and i go up and down it's a bit like it feels a bit like borderline which is like crazy enough because uh that's totally not who I am generally. Like um, I've been working with myself and like calming down and things so much. And uh, right now I find myself in a position where everything is moving and I just have to take care of myself. And that's what I find with a lot of people as well. And what we share on our way as well. We talked a lot about it, right? Just like this most precious thing we all have is like our own health, mental and physical. Health. Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, you mentioned that you're a coach and, and, and you focus uh, specifically on, on 
well, you would like to bring your coaching specifically to the Web3 space where it is extremely needed. And as coaches, our own experience guides who we are as coaches because obviously you draw from your own uh, experience and that's what you bring to to the people that you help out. And I think that part, part of the maturing phase of Web3 is that people are going to have to start taking care of themselves because longevity is the name of the game. You're not just doing this to make a few hundred K and, and then uh, retire. That's just not how it happens because the emotional impact is huge. The stress impact is huge. All of that is huge. And and like, how did you, uh, as a coach, decide that you wanted to go in the Web3 space and what's the impact that you want to have in it? Your polymath and me too. I mm. recently learned this other name, uh, multi-potentialite. Mm. So I've always yeah. been doing a lot of things. So my original background, I was studying computer science and business and went into consulting back then. And at the same time, I've always been like exploring the mind, meditation and yoga and teaching and training a lot and being in the whole talent development and leadership coaching realm um, in the corporate world. And I always loved it. That's been the theme in my life. Like I always loved connecting with people, understanding people and understanding interaction between people and seeing so many organizations as a consultant and then later in my professional life as well. Like, And it's all doesn't work out in teams. It's always the same. Like people come together Communication gets lost, personal things get in the way, ego gets in the way, and there's so much friction and loss and suffering, actually. Like, mm. people suffer all the time because there is no connection. And that has always been, like, like since I was a kid, actually, really interesting. Like, when I was observing conversations between my parents and other people, I always felt I'm spotting things in between people like, I, like other people don't see. It. I was like, it's been really weird. Kind of like <laughs> enlightenment moments, and, yeah. Um, and all that, like, um, then 2021, I was kind of done in my corporate job of like talent development and uh coaching people in the, in the corporate environment. And I felt now it's time for something like bigger and like a break. And it all came together. I moved to Portugal, and at the same time, because I'm interested in so many things, I had been following the crypto space for since 2018 maybe since like that that hype cycle i jumped in again <laughs> big emotional roller coaster there jumped in when it was up lost a lot of money normal story and dealt with the emotions and stuff however i was like following a few projects and diving into the technology and the um, psychology and, and and the philosophy behind it and just believe as we all do right in, in the potential yeah to change the world and then it all came naturally together um to like get out of the corporate world noticing that there is there as well so much needed to make teams and people work both at the same time and then i came to lisbon was going to the block for some co-working talking to people first time i ever got real people behind all the memes and the projects and i was like oh my gosh there's real people <laughs> that's exciting mm. and yeah and, and they it just struck me it was like so how is it going with your communication how are you doing and people were like suffering burnt out overworked and teams were not working out and i had this big impulse of man i really gotta make make a big ayahuasca or psychedelic retreat take you out in nature and make a big reset with all of you <laughs> and that's how, how my journey started then i was like uh planning a little retreat and then spreading the word a bit and all emerged pretty naturally and we ended up having like one weekend retreat and that's where I really got to know a few more. I worked three people. And then from there, I started coaching three of the people who were in the retreat. 
And from there, things started rolling, like beginning of last year. That's really cool. I actually didn't know that that was how things started for you. And now that you put it in, in perspective, one of the, I mean, I've known this for a while, but it's become even more clear is that you don't bet on projects, you bet on people. And so if the people who you are betting on don't get along together, and, and it can, relationships can be strained by a lot of factors. And it just so happens that in our industry, there's 10x the factors that there are in any other types of industry because there's more volatility, there's more uncertainty, there's more, there's a, a, a real time feeling to it, a real time stake. Like having launched a token a, um, a year and a half ago, I can tell you firsthand that it is incredibly stressful because you wake up and you know that there's the price of your token that's changed. Sometimes it's for the better, sometimes it's for the worse. For NFT projects, it's the same. And so um, part of this decentralization thing is that there's no weekends, there's no uh, after-hours trading, so there's no real respite. And you have people in your community from all across the world, and you have people in your team from all across the world. So this, the, the first time in the morning that you open Discord, you can have a, a message that's going to fuck up your day. Or you're, you're going to see, oh my God, the price, the price has crashed uh, 20%, which can happen for uh, younger projects because you, you will see 20%, 30%, 50% volatility days. And all of this... Like if I have the stress trigger and then I go talk to my team and I still carry the burden of that stress trigger and then all of this accumulates week over week over week and you don't have the reset that you're talking about, then at some point it's going to implode for sure. And that's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nicely put into words. And It's really crazy because our ability to decide really diminishes with the amount of stress we put on ourselves. Cognitively, we know. I mean, it's not mm. big news. It's, it's not complicated, right? But the moment you're in stress, you're in this fight or flight, you have a narrow vision, you're not open for possibilities, you're not open for people, and you decide poorly. This is just what yeah. happens. And if your calendar is just like packed from morning till night, and I mean, you're the founder of a project, and that's normally how the calendars look like like for them it's so hard to squeeze anything else in there and there's like so little space to like zoom out and think the bigger picture is really important and i love this concept and i'm talking with my clients a lot about it like slow down to speed up like you gotta take your time to zoom out and really decide what's important and then kind of decide is like the ladder you're running up is actually the wall the right one you're leaning it towards I actually wish that more people were mindful of their own cycles because that's that's what you're describing. Sometimes you need to slow down in order to accelerate again. And especially for like everything that you're saying, when you're stressed, you go into beta uh, brain waves, so fight or flight, and that brings in more stress because you want to figure things out. And you're in, you're in beta and and... If you don't break the cycle, the cycle is not going to to break itself. And if we don't build the the right habits, then it just never it just never ends up happening. And what you're saying, your calendar day, so from eight to 
uh, 6 p.m., 8 a.m. for 6 p.m., you're packed with meetings, you're packed with problems to solve, and then at night you're exhausted, and so you're going to have a beer or three, and then you're going to smoke a joint, and and this thing is going to start the next day. Like having, I meditate a lot, and having that in my life has not prevented me from being slapped in the face from the the stress of not just being a founder, but also being an investor, because sometimes you have like 5% of your portfolio that's into something that's like the, the more risky part of your portfolio and it just evaporates. And all of this is just stressful. And if you don't have the proper tools in order to deal with it, you're in problem. You're in trouble. Yeah, man. And just like you say, man, it's hard. <laughs> Same as me, you know, I'm teaching this other people. Um, I studied psychology. I know what brings a burnout. I know how to get out. I know like, like the ins and out. I know everything. I know the routines. I have normally good routines. And still it also hit me. And part of it was also, like you say, like the external facts, like if it's just like too much on the outside and can, you know, like, like, and it happens to everyone. Like people die in your family, relationships end markets crash you know like like i mean we had enough last year and then when it's all coming at a time like like nobody is 100 percent safe from this you never know and it's no one is physical things in your brain like your nutrition it can can be so many factors and just like being aware of that and doing the best we can to to minimize the risk for it and like prevention obviously is like like the best thing to do that what i would like to add to what you said I mean, the one thing I yourself, especially as a founder, and I would like to hear like your, your call on this as well, because mm -hmm. uh, what I see in the teams I work with, like it's really like a correlation of like the, how the founders are handling their stuff and how stressed they are and how dense their calendars are, how much capacity they have to actually to mm -hmm. firefight and deal on things. And then like what I see is really like the culture trickling down on, on the people there as well. And little example from last week i was uh, here in lisbon at, a, at an event and i was talking it was like a bigger project like more than 200 people and there was the head of stuff and when i meet a head of stuff i'm always like so how's it like like how are your people doing and how's culture like how's communication that is like pff, yeah people are happy in general but like we're still actually our our founders they would really need some coaching, but they're not aware of it. And what we're actually doing is we're still in startup mode and firefighting everywhere and everything is like not really organized and everything is like stressful and hectic. You can tell like how, how that mm. is down instead of like people who like sit down and think through the challenges in terms of people like beforehand and create like structures early enough to address these things. It was also like, so, and then how's like with people development and stuff it's like pff, yeah like nothing there's no time it for doesn't it doesn't exist yeah. yeah it's like wow interesting and there's others i mean others i talked to also like to the head of stuff it's like what are you doing You're like yeah we're working like with big coaching providers all our key players you know like like they get individual coaching and we're really like taking care and taking space and it's, it's happening are these remote companies or, or yeah. are they physical yeah. based? Yeah, That's, it, it is so hard. If you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have said, man, remote work is the dream and, and you can just do whatever you want, work from anywhere you want. And now, the, um, now that I've been living through it for 18 months, it's not that simple 
on the individual level, it's not that simple on the team level because you're not at the contact of those people on a day-to-day basis and, and you interact with them. You never interact with them spontaneously. You never have like random coffee breaks with people. You never just go out for a beer. You never do all of these things, which are really important, not just for the well-being of the company, but for the well-being of the individual. And it's a lot harder to notice when something is not right, when you're not uh, directly facing the, the people. So how do, you, how do you address that? You working with, I assume, mostly remote team as well. How do you like bypass that problem of not being in physical contact with these people? That challenge every remote team has, right? I mean, there's no one solution for this all. I mean, you can read it up, like it's all the same, you know, like what to do as a remote team. You have remote team meetings, you have coffee hours, um, you, you make space outside of the thing, you do engaging things. Um, I mean, the, the usual, like, it's nothing new, right? What's maybe more interesting is like diving into like, what's your challenge? Because it's so individual. And we can, because that's what I do, you know, I help, mm. help people and you just raised that challenge for you. Yeah. So, so, so how do you want to dive into this? Maybe yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for, so, for, what's your challenge there? Right now, I'm really lucky because bear market happened. And so we had a lot of people, we were working with a lot of people who were who are all extremely smart, extremely driven and, and just all around good people, but who there was more of a um, human fit than a business fit with. And and the bear market happened and just so the, the financial incentive for, for most uh, kind of disappeared. And now the, the co-founding team that is being uh, built again around us is, well, it's, it's just uh, working with different versions of ourselves who are like they're they're more experienced and they know where they're going and so it's 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 becoming it's it's really enjoyable and and when a question needs to be asked it is asked when a problem needs to be addressed it is addressed and voices are raised at times but that's just part of the fun like it's part of the conflict is part of human nature and and we have to go through conflict in order to deal especially when you have multiple uh alpha males in, in the room it, it will it, it will happen and but that's also the way to get the the most out of things so right now i'm very fortunate that i don't have to ask myself these questions because whatever we whatever problem we see we raise and it is addressed before before it needs to be implemented on but before that it was it was very much different because we were still at the phase where we're like basically a project where you're not, you don't really have a, the good aspect of having a contract with people is that you know what you give and you know what you take. It's very clear. But in the space that we're living in, there's a lot of things that are left a little bit unsaid. Oh, you're going to get $500 this week. Here's what you need to do. And then you don't really necessarily realize how the thing is done, what how much time is being, uh, is being dedicated to those tasks. And for me personally, for example, one of the most important things is deep work. I try to have as much of it as possible. I try to have at least one uh, flow or deep work session during the day. And it's something that I've tried to pass on to people I've worked with because I know how valuable it is for, for myself and for, for others and for the company. But it's you don't want to be the policeman. 
you don't want to be like, hey, did you do four hours of deep flow, deep work today? Did you do your your time? Even we've worked with very truthful people, very honest people, and so and so they they would answer and they would play the game, but it's not like it's not a really cool position to be in. And so like it's all of these little things where I don't want to track people. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to have them give me an Excel sheet at the end of the week with like the time that they worked on each task and all of that. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's not really a problem, I guess. I don't know where I went with this, but it's, it's more of a, it changes everything. And, and I still, I, I still don't see the perfect solution for, for all these yeah. things. And it's so beautiful how you describe it because like everything you just said, like thrives to this one word of trust. Mm. That's what it comes down to. Right? If there's trust, you don't have these challenges. And that's connecting also to the, the, this question, like, so how do you deal with the stressful things with remote life, um, remote team, team dynamics? And it also it comes down to trust, trusting each other, Absolutely. building up the trust to open up. And the most, what I see in my experience is like the most important aspect of this whole thing, like how to tackle it as a team. I really want to like, okay, shit, we, we have this tension and this stuff mm. and we have the challenges and I have the challenges and others have too. Like you as a team, you need to find a way, like a space to address this and talk about this. And nobody's going to give it to you. It's never going to be there because it's always busy. Like you yeah, have to make space. That's the tricky part. To talk about the dynamics that are happening besides the product and the building and the community and the challenges, but just giving space to talk about like what's happening in between us, what's happening with me and however that looks like. And like, I can't tell you from the outside because again, like every team is different and, and it's just been so beautiful. Like one client, um, I was working with the founder and then um, I just offered them, listen, like if you want, I can facilitate like a team session for you. And like, That's what we started doing now. And we do the simplest thing ever. I mean, it's just like super simple time boxing of giving everybody three minutes to express what's there in terms of challenges, what is it there, and then talk about what is the question we actually want to tackle. And then yeah. it can be something like personal challenges, um, things in between the team, conflict, and um, I call it also like an exercise with the elephant. Like what's the elephant in the room? like nobody is talking about and that can be stuff like depression it can be stuff like um yeah there's like underlying conflicts we're not talking about um, i mean what it's it can be i feel like our whole team is running in the wrong direction but we have this group thing going on and like mm -hmm. we all don't want to acknowledge what's happening because we're just too busy building stuff without questioning ourselves or we're not daring ourselves to question what we're actually doing here. Yeah. That's super powerful because it is when, when you don't have that trust or uh, it put in other words, when you have people who don't trust themselves to, to, you know, be valued enough within the group or that it is their place to say something, you have things that are left uh, unsaid that shouldn't. Because some, it, it might not be as huge as we're going in the wrong direction and no one seems to notice it. Um, it, it can be a, a very, very subtle. Like you're working on this project and, and on this product and, and, and there's, feature, there's this feature that has been in it or that should have been. And everyone is so like focused and driven and you have that one person who notices it but can't, like doesn't feel that it is their place. Uh, because it's just it's just happened that way and 
I had this conversation. We we had um, a woman work with us for a little bit, and and I valued her, and I think that she was valued by the team, but she didn't seem to to value herself uh, as much, or didn't see that she was valued as much, and and it it puts that person into into weird position. Yeah, it is so important to take the time away from the building the project to build the humans who are building the project, but that's. Also, one of the problems that you raise where, well, we're working remotely. There are time constraints. Uh, it's 9 a.m. here. It's 9 p.m. there. Um, so we only have this many meetings during the week. Do we really want to dedicate one to this that doesn't seem like a short-term priority, but which very much is a long-term priority? So it's it's all, uh, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, and there is no right or wrong answer to this. I mean, you as a team need to ask yourself that question like is our time now better spent with talking about what's happening in the team or is now the time to grind and to build and to do things i mean there's like times for everything and it's really hard like to define and, and um opinions differentiate as well you know like some people feel oh it's, it's all good like you know you have eight people in the team and five feel like everything is going well we don't need to talk about anything and, so we and the three the other three can just leave completely left behind <laughs> no. and then it's like and then normally what happens you do that what what the most loudest the biggest alpha male is this dictating to do or the two biggest oh yeah yeah da, 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 we go on no time da, 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 da. and then it's, it's and then you gotta find mechanisms to communicate like really what's happening in the team and that is so fucking difficult to get these mechanisms in place and this openness and and it comes down to like one of my favorite words these days is like decentralized leadership because when we're building this decentralized world and what we all like 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 allude to now is like like i mean there is always hierarchies like there's the alpha male right the, the alpha person in the, in the team and that is already a hierarchy no matter how you like organize when you're in a team meeting and if you want to have real decentralization you need to like empower everyone in the team and distribute the leadership and give everybody um, a part of it because naturally not everybody will take it by themselves and some don't want and that is also fine but then having these roles clearly defined like of what people actually want to do in their teams and whatnot and like like because it all comes down to like are people feeling valued and happy and trusted in the position they're in doesn't mean that everybody needs to be like a leader and go to, to the front but it's about like is everybody happy with what they are doing and are we all aligned in what we do and are we working together in the best possible way for us right now or are we losing productivity and then i mean that that's another abstraction layer in a way like why are we here like like what what is the reason for our existence what are our values and if we say like part of our values might be oh we do this for project for fun <laughs> we want to have fun together then it does just make sense to like put some time aside to have fun together because that's part of your yeah. purpose as a team and being clear about that like why are we doing what we're doing the whole decentralized leadership thing is so important and that you know what that's actually why i care so much about this ar filter because to the rest of the world i'm not my person it's not focused on me 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 i'm the founder i'm the leader this gives an online persona that does the job 
And it takes away a lot of the ego and what it allows for, there's something that I've been trying to do for years, but that my ego snuck up on me often and and prevented me from doing. I, I always wanted to grow away from the CEO type, you know, like the big person in the middle who says the things that other people do because yeah, I I realized what, two, three years ago that it, it just, it just didn't work. But even after realizing it, I was still playing the part. I was still telling people like, no, this is the right way to do things. So you should do it that way. Oh, you have ideas that are, that are, uh, that, that go against this judgment. Then here's a very elaborate and very intelligent demonstration that uh, my idea is better. And, and it always works because I don't know, you have, even if you're, try to remove yourself from that role a little bit you still have that legitimacy because it's still built into you a little bit and so if you don't actively do it it, it's just i started to call myself a facilitator and that's where i thought we have a you and i have a business not a business a framework to build because this has helped me a lot by being the facilitator on the team i'm the person that i've thought about the project more than anyone on the team I've spent more time on it. I've like flipped it around. I've, uh, I, I'm, I'm the holder of the vision. So I'm, I'm the holder of the thing that holds it together, but I wouldn't be anything without the parts that it is holding together. Like, and, and there's no, when there's this question of like, who's more valuable, the, the leader or the employees, there's, there's no answer to that question because none exists without the other. That's the, that's the duality of, of, of life. And, and the facilitator thing is really interesting because it allows you to be, your role is not to direct, your goal is not to dictate, it's to notice all the strengths and all the best resources and all the best ideas and to put them together. And sometimes they come from you, sometimes they don't. And so you have to, my process right now, I'm at a part of the phase where I've been withdrawing myself too much. So I've been trying to let things just happen. And, and, and then I point out and I give my thoughts, but I I don't make them decisive, but we got to a point where we had five very smart people in the room saying very smart stuff. And we're not going anywhere because if you don't have a direction, then you're, you just keep like going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a right balance to right? How, how do you, how do you, like, if, if, if I'm the, if I'm the founder that you're trying to coach into a decentralized leadership, how do you coach me into it? What are the, what's the framework? What do you, what do you try to pass on to me? I don't work with like fixed frameworks of like prescriptions. Mm-hmm. This is what we do, like strength, weakness, game plan, action. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe that is much of a code. It's like a training yeah. thing. You can go like get the theory and like act out a plan. So it's very individual. And like in, in your case, what was like coming up to me a lot, it's like, like when you say like you're a facilitator, I mean, that's, it comes down to the question, like, who are you as, who are you as a leader? And if you see yourself as a facilitator, for me, like this image of a gardener was coming up a lot. It's a beautiful analogy, right? Like, like you, you as like the founder, like it's your garden and your team is like the plants and the trees and the veggies. And your job is to make this thing flourish. 
And you do everything you can. You facilitate, you know, enough sunlight, enough water, uh, the right conditions to everything to grow and to grow in harmony and just what you mm. uh, described was, oh, and you were withdrawing a lot and then things grow <laughs> like in a way you don't want it to grow. So you got to intervene again and see, okay, where do I need to cut maybe or like to add something that was coming up. So when I'm talking with founders, like all of them I talked to so far, like everyone is to some degree, yeah, I want to move towards like DAO structures, decentralized leadership. I don't want hierarchy. Like that's what everyone is about. But then it comes down to like, what's beneath it in you? Like, who are you as a leader? Like, are you still micromanaging people? And then when we like look into this thing, like, like what are, what are your actions actually? Yes, you talk about DAO, you talk about decentralization, but what do you do? Like in your meetings, are you, subtly imposing your things you know like you are are you getting into the meetings with like this is my idea who's for it and who's against it or are you like the one like okay here is the question what is your ideas and like you come in last in a way right like like um so people often think they want it but then there is a lot of underlying fears mm. which can then be rooted in like childhood stuff and traumas and and like the old web 2 world as well the you know like like this whole world, how it's functioning, it's still so hierarchical. So we carry this whole burden with us and the whole decentralization is really such a big mind shift of letting go. And because it is scary to let go. And it that's for everyone, right? Like I mean, your money depends on it. Like you're giving away power to, to other people. And that is so difficult. Looking into the fears of the founder. This is very often mm -hmm. like a thing. Huh. <laughs> and I think we talked about this a little bit as well. Like, how about your fears, like, like with, with in this whole process? Because you're like nodding yeah. there. Like, yeah. I, I view the the growth that I've had these past few years in sort of a U-shaped uh, curve, where the first part, the like, the first leg down was I was letting go of. I was basically going to neutral, letting go of all the the deeper darkness, the deeper stuff that that was really preventing me from doing anything. And and then uh, I think two or three years ago I reached the neutral part and then I started like the expansion and and right now I, I don't think I could pinpoint any specific fears that are relating to to me as a founder or to me as a or or like to the project it really is directly me as a person you know you get you get past certain things things on from your from your parents from your um, uh, from the way you've you've been um, you've been brought up, and and for me there have been these things around like self love that have had uh, an impact on uh, me being present and on overextending my dopamine system, and so right now I'm at the phase where I'm finally through a mixture of um meditating and doing sp specific types of yoga and and doing things that uh make me happy and that that drive pleasure I i'm trying to basically align all of this and what's really interesting is that as i'm doing this work everything in the in my life as a founder is changing as well uh, I'm more and more surrounded by super smart people. There are uh, more and more good uh, opportunities that are coming um, this way. 
And that's actually one of the things that I was excited to touch base on because it's it's often forgotten where as founders, as people, as uh, career-oriented individuals, we look to the outside for the, oh, I should do this. Oh, I need to do this. This is my next goal. This is what I need to achieve. And and there's this, and I was actually thinking about this when I was going for a walk yesterday, um, the, the idea of the compounding effect. If you read a book every month, then after 10 years, you've read all of this and it's compounded. And so it's made you all that much smarter. And then I realized that if you do only the external work, the knowledge part, and you don't do the um, inner work of finding out what your fears are, finding out what your what your biases are, finding out what you've what your parents have passed on to you that are, is hindering your your goal, then you're just limiting the compounding effect. And I wanted to touch base on this with you because I did a session with you, so I know what it is that you're doing and I know how powerful it is. And it's just reinforcing a pre-existing belief that I had, obviously. But is that something that you put a lot of focus on, a lot of emphasis on, that inner part? It, it, or is it just um, integrated into your, your discourse? It's the most crucial part, like your deep beliefs you've built up in your time, right? I mean, when you do coaching, you can always do like the... Thing. I mean, you want to change something in your life in a way, right? Like people come to you because something they want change in their life. And then you ask them, like, okay, what is your goal? What is, it, what is your vision? What do you want to do? And then the very big question is, where is this vision or goal coming from? Right? Is that from a part of you which is compensating for you being, uh, you know, like, like bullied as a child and all you want is to get rich and, you know, show off and like pay all that back what you like, like, didn't have when we were young or something and then that is like your goal but but the question is is that like your real goal is the was that less just like a underlying belief you want to get rid of and and like deeper within you there's like i mean there, there there is more meaningful things to do in life and then diving into these dynamics and then looking okay and we all have like this achieving part but want something and then we have this voice in us which tells us you're not good enough like something's mm. holding me back and then you're judging yourself for not sticking to your routines which creates a lot of confusion in your brain and you think like who the fuck am i what's going on and yeah and there's like all this tension in the team as well is that because of me and you're taking things personally and and it's so many things to handle i mean even for me without a team you know i'm just dealing with life i mean it's it's all already there and, and just giving that a little bit of order and putting the attention like inside like closing your eyes and like i love working with these parts which we were touching on right in our session as well to say okay like that is you know like like that part of me that is super ambitious and that is the part that keeps criticizing me and they scientifically proven i mean there's a lot of research on it they kind of have their life by their own when you're schizophrenic yeah. you have different personalities they become the extremes but bottom line, we're all schizophrenic and um, have these different voices in our heads. And just acknowledging this, there's this beautiful quote of like, if you can hold two opposing opinions in your mind at one time, that's like second level intelligence. Right? That's, yeah. that's the opposite I, of, of what Trump, you know, like, like, like yeah. that's the opposite of what politicians do. Like, Give, give simple solutions to everything. It's just, no, it's yeah. fucking complex, like even in the inner world. And then acknowledging that and, and zooming out a little bit, zooming into your intuition, even on a spirit, uh, spiritual level, like, like and, and feeling into it, tapping into your intuition, like what is it that's really important, that really matters? And 
then go in that direction. Yeah, so you were telling me that uh, another important part um, beyond the inner journey for the founder is the systems that they set in place. Uh, and I'm obviously very, very interested in that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, I mean, um, most of the clients I'm working with are like early, early stage startups, like eight, 10 people. And for them, it's, it's not a big deal, right? I mean, the structure, it's just like, it's so small, you can talk to each other, you can relate to it, right? Like you, you're similar size, so you don't really need big procedures and processes in place. Um, so it really comes down to like the, the inner work of, of the, and, and the role modeling of the founder, like what is it he wants to create and how does he create the structures? Mm. However, and that's an area I'm not an expert in, but I really want to become an expert because it's so fascinating. And that is this whole world of how do we structure ourselves decentralized, decentrally, right? And there's like all these frameworks which have been there longer than blockchain, how communities organize themselves, how other organizations have been decentralized. It's not a new idea, right, to have like flat uh, hierarchies and, and organize yourself uh, decentralized. So like these concepts of holacracy, sociocracy, which give super clear guidelines and models in how you can structure yourself. And I'm not an expert. I'm in touch with a lot of experts and I hope to learn more about it. Um, but I think that can be a very powerful tool for founders as well to like dive into these ideas yeah and and early on create structures and there's systems around it this morning i was talking with um joost van schouten who's like the founder of nesta which is a tool which is um organized in circles like it helps you to connect like your decisions your governance your um, task management what everything you do to organize it actually in circles and if you start to implement these tools early enough right then you can grow into these decentralized structures instead of um the challenges i mentioned before with this uh, other company i was talking about right i mean they grew hierarchically up to 200 right and then they still have these structures and if you want to go from there it's just so hard yeah because the gravity yeah. is is insane i actually have a, a friend of mine who has launched something like what you're uh, mentioning a, a group of freelancer uh, got together and and the way they do things is they have all of these individual people and all of these individual skills and when the need arises so when there's a specific mission they form a team for it and this lives as a living and breathing organism it, it, they have uh systems in place to make the organization grow but it is very well balanced between the organization and the individual and what actually you made me think of is that this is super important for the team that wants to build a decentralized organization even more specifically because eventually there's no well, there's no frontier between the team and the community. You want as much as possible for every member of this organization to have a say in the governance, in the product development. And, and so you have to build a feedback loop that gets them in. But where you're, where I think you'll very much agree with, because it's basically what you're saying is if the person who was there at the beginning or the group of people that were there at the beginning can't delegate to people who are close to them how 
are they ever going to delegate to people who are far to them, far from them in the in the system? Yeah, it's 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 a philosophical shift, mm. right? From having a community manager as a function who's like managing the community yeah. instead of like actually merging with the community, becoming one with it, really inviting it in and getting getting the full power of it. Very different, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it um, go ahead. Yeah. You're the guest. It's okay. it's you first. <laughs> okay, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm, I myself am so much on the verge of like exploring these whole ideas and concepts. I've been part of a DAO and I really want to get back to a DAO. There's like a DAO called Talent DAO and they're researching on decentralized leadership. So I'm very much drawn to it. I have a call with them next week. So I might like be involved in that in the future. I don't, I don't know. Uh, gotta, gotta taste into it. But I've, it feels to me like this is really like a missing link in this whole thing. It's like the, the actual structure, like when you want to be a DAO and decentralized, and then it seems to me like people think we have these government rules in place and the code is taking away the need of organizing us because now we have like voting and decisions mm-hmm. are made. And what I heard from here, AstroDAO from Jordan, uh, who's like the DAO maker for the near ecosystem, right? I was like having an interview with him as well. And, he was like, yeah, it all comes down. Like, it all doesn't help. You still have the people conflicts. No matter the government model you do, no matter the voting mechanism and the participation, like, you always have, like, these conflicts. So you just need mechanisms to deal with the human side. That's, like, it's never going to go away. Yeah. Like, even if on paper everything is fair, and we wanted behind to. the scenes, yes, behind the scenes there is politics. Like, yeah. <laughs> And I heard that from different ecosystems as well. And then, you know, or then there is like a position for like a DAO moderator, which is distributing funds. And then reality is that is again, like a position of super big power. Mm. Although it's all about DAOs. And then it's all like politics and games and, you know, people backstabbing yeah. and shitting each other. It's, it's really interesting. Like even that happening, like, like in the DAO world. So I think... Um, and I don't know if that's right, but I think we're like all um, experiments never fail. So we're all experimenting on this um, at, at this time. It's like the earlier you can manage to get like these structures and utilizing these proven systems of decentralized organization. And once you have that in place and once you have a functioning living organism, right? I needed to think of uh, Frederick Laloux reinventing organizations. Like yeah. this teal organism which is like really living and breathing or like the Peter Zenger thing of a learning organization. The book is from the fucking seventies where he was like developing these mm-hmm. concepts. I can yeah. highly recommend yeah. the fifth discipline, Peter Zenger. It's, it's not new ideas to make these organizations which are breathing and living. So if you manage to get this group of people breathing and living and reacting to the environment and then agree on government rules, which are working, for everyone that that is probably the way forward yeah and 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 probably the next steps and then in a few months you you have something that changes and 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 you need to have the proper mechanisms in place to make sure that things just don't don't get stuck Uh, but that's what i was saying before uh when when i was talking about conflicts within the team they're so important if you don't get conflict you don't get uh you don't get progress and and that's true for relationships as well. My my partner right now, we 
fought so much in the beginning and and i told her many times like this is work we're doing the work right now that it's not for nothing just stick around and 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 you'll see that we've we've <laughs> it's not been easy every time but it, it's been worth it mm-hmm. and well and and now that i think about it i've actually told all of my past girlfriends that and and she's the one that benefits from <laughs> from all of this um but yeah it's it's conflict is important and and you should have a that's why I think the whole Twitter thing with Elon Musk and free speech, it is important that we get both sides of the subject as long as we educate people on, like, try to understand the person on the other. You have different opinions, and that's good, and that's just the world. There's polarity. Um, not everyone's going to like everything because we don't have the same background. We don't look at things from the same time frame. Like, for example, with us and, and, and what we're building with um, JPEG and Project Magenta, we are trying to bridge the gap. So we're trying to bridge the gap between people who are underprivileged and people who are very privileged. And obviously they're gonna have different approaches. Obviously the person who's fighting for their life, who's fighting for survival, is going to be more short-term focused and minded because they have to eat. They have to provide shelter for themselves and their family. Whereas for that other person, it's more of a, ooh, hopefully I make a shit ton of money in the next five years or or hopefully like this or that happens and like it's different and so it doesn't mean that any of these people are wrong it just means that they have a different outlook and a different um a different way to yeah look at things in different priorities and that's and the other thing that i wanted to that made me react in what you were saying is the problem with the legal system right now is that when thing when something is set it is so hard to move. That's why you have laws that apply to us right now that were written like 150 years ago. And that just doesn't make any sense for anyone. And and I think that's one of the biggest things that these systems need to be mindful of. And I'm actually, you have no idea how focused I am on this portion of the conversation because this is work that I'm going to have to be doing in the next uh, in the next little while. And so, yeah, you're, you're so right. We need to have the vision to be aligned on the vision. And we have, we need to have the proper systems to make sure that we compose with the different people who want to work and go toward that mission. Yeah. And it's such pioneering work, Mm. right? I mean, there's, and, and it's like just expanding. Like there's so many examples, like I'm so excited to like, like, to talk with more people with like bigger DAOs as well to dive more into into that. like how have they done it, you know? And um, the whole legal framework, right? What you are touching on as well. I mean, like that's that's all ahead of you guys, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's funny that you say uh, it's all pioneering because it is and it's not. It's pioneering because it 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 just takes another approach and it tries to shift shift the paradigm, but. That's what people in Greece were trying to do thousands of years ago. They were trying to build organizations, uh, human groups that were fair and and somewhat decentralized or were were like the power of voice. And then, yeah, greed happened and trust was misplaced and and then people seized power and just kept it for uh, hundreds of years. But the main problem was that we didn't have the proper information systems. It was really hard to, there was no transparency, there was no nothing. 
Um, and so now we're finally at a place where technology is advanced enough that it can help us build these big organizations. I wrote down conflict resolution at scale when you were talking, because that's what we want to do. We, uh, for example, I was talking to our CMO before, and his plan is that in the next 18 months, that at the end of the next 18 months, we have 20,000 members. And so with 20,000 members, well, you need to be, the system needs to be solid because it's not just like five people talking across the table and, and, and who are very much aligned with each other. You have like people who are poor, people who are very poor, people who are less poor, and, and you need to compose with all of this. And that's where the, I think this sheds an even brighter light on the whole facilitator thing, because if I really put myself in, a, in the shoes of a facilitator and not of a dictator, and that people around me do that as well, and people around them do that as well, and around them and around them, then you have managed to build an organization where people actually listen to each other and, and take out what really matters out of each other. Oh, I really want to make as much money as I can in 10 years. But does that matter more than the person who's trying to eat today? And you move forward and you talk and you, yeah, and you build something that's more sustainable, I think. Yeah, you're touching on, on a lot of points at a time. I'm glad <laughs> they're all intertwined, right? Because I mean, if you talk with your with the different groups which are involved, right, like the rich and the poor, like when when I think of conflict, I mean the the rich one doesn't even have a conflict or anything, yeah. right? Like with another person, it's it's just like the the whole system is just like imbalanced and favoring or like like yeah, it's just like where where it's at at the moment and the the players in there like, and then the poor one doesn't have a, a direct conflict with the big one mm. they're just like victim of the circumstances in a way absolutely it actually ties into uh, what we're doing right now where we are there will be nfts in our in our uh, upcoming ecosystem and we're trying to determine how to distribute them in the most fair way possible um, in a way that benefits everyone who gets them and that doesn't take away from anyone and so for example, the the term pay to play comes up a lot because um, our CMO is really, he's very vocal about wanting to create something that is free to play. And, and what I'm, my perspective on it is that it should be as free to play as possible, but that pay to play for the people who don't have the time, but have the money should be beneficial for the people who play for free. And, and so that's what we're trying to do in our, in, our, in our upcoming Mint. We're trying to make sure that you have people who have time and skills and you have people who have money and you have people who have a mix of both. And we want to try to set it up so that uh, the people who just have money can contribute and can partake and can benefit and that the money that they put into the ecosystem actually benefits the people who have less of it and who have more time. It's a very interesting concept and a very interesting dilemma because if we do this well then maybe we are working towards building a new society of people who actually understand like oh this person has money but it doesn't make them a bad person because i'm actually benefiting from it and oh this person doesn't have a lot of money like they're from that other place in the world and oh but they're actually contributing and we're actually and if we 
oh man, I get so excited talking about this because if we do manage to build this, then it has, yeah, it's, it's finally going to go back to doing something that Web3 was meant to do in the beginning, which was uniting. What are the values behind this thing you're doing? The, the one that I keep going back to is fair distribution of value. That's the one that I care about the most. Um, I, I, I want to make sure that was the biggest problem uh, in the origins of Web3. I mean, that was the biggest problem that I saw Web3 solving. Um, initially, I thought my 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 always comparison is Amazon of they're so good. They're extremely efficient, like efficiency masters, but they're also value extraction masters. And, and for me, Web3 was the opportunity to be able to maximize efficiency while maximizing fair value distribution. And so that's why I, I care about the most. There are a few others. We, we want people who work hard because that's important. We want people who are humble, all of that. But the guiding thing for me is, is definitely that one. I mean, when you're saying for you, I mean, that's for you personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like, I mean, you're aligned in your project. Well, I mean, we, you, you're all aligned in your vision. And like, I'm just curious, like, did you um, put that into words, into like a thing, into like, like an agreement of like, wow, no. that's actually what we stand for, for like value distribution? That's the power of this team, man. It's that one, my initial co-founder, Cosmos, he and I, we're just two peas in a pod. We we get along very well and we're always aligned that we cared about this space and we wanted to have a positive impact and we care for others as much as we care for ourselves. We want this thing to be a success for us because we we put everything in and, and we deserve it and 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 we want to be financially free. I want to build a family and all of that and it and it's important. But we we, we would not be okay with it being at the expense of other people. So he and I were always aligned. We never had to really like say it. It was always between us. And then now with the transformation of this project, uh, it started with uh, our CMO who's, he hasn't agreed yet. I hope that he does, but uh, who's, who will become a co-founder. And then a fourth person who hasn't given the final word yet, but he's acting like it. And I hope he does too, because he's a fantastic person. And may, now maybe a fifth person. And the one thing that we all care about and that we never had to discuss or anything, it was, was that we want to bridge the gap using Web3. And, and so, and that's what I think things should be. I remember in, in my first business, uh, wanting to figure out the why, wanting to figure out what our values were. And so it became more of um, intellectual work of, you know, trying to find the thing that has the most impact that will inspire people and all of that. And it kind of, it kind of corrupted. Whereas here we came in and we're like, all right, let's do something good. And let's also make money for ourselves and, and let's build something that benefits everyone who participates. And it's so, fucking yeah. powerful yeah my my thought of training like it's, it goes in some some directions and well why why i'm asking is you know for everybody it's not like for you i mean we all know the company values and corporates they're like mm. hanging on the wall nobody cares it's more like a, my yeah. owner than now it doesn't help like i totally agree <laughs> and with your thing it's so powerful it's coming from the inside it's real it's coming from you it's coming from your friends from your founders and you're like that's that's mm -hmm. us so it's just like super amazing for 
the community as well to you know like to understand this is why we do things like the, this big question of why is like we all want to know why as a kid you want to know why why mm. why why can't i eat this like you want to know everything yeah right and and it just just makes a lot of sense to like like put that why not just you know and it's humble enough to just like yeah we do this but it's just an amazing thing to put it out there say like we also like courageous enough to put it out there and say like this is what we're here for and and the other thing um why it is also so can can be very helpful um no no matter what you're doing like when you were talking about yeah like like we want to do it like with a pay for mint stuff you know like 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 how we distribute between rich and poor this is like what we're going to do and i recently came across this experiment uh, this this quote it's my favorite one at the moment experiments never fail so what you're doing there is like one big experiment for the sake of creating equality right and then fair value distribution and i can already tell you like in a sense of whatever you're going to do there people are going to game the system it's not going to be 100% value never. distributed and fair it's never it's never going to be 100% and that is fine and just having these values as a guiding principle like it's it's an infinite game what we're playing here yeah. like we're just trying to iterate and get better and what what's in the back of my mind like is as early as possible like like whatever you you're trying to into that system you're building to try these to build in these loops of okay where this is like one try and then there's going to be other tries and more tries and we're just like as a learning organization this is like one of the tools that we're doing and then we just keep on adapting and and living that and getting because we're so often trapped in this thought of okay this is the right thing to do it that's how we reach our goal mm. but this is like a big infinite game of like we're trying and doing things for the rest of our lives hopefully with this thing try to improve things for the yeah. best and this other quote which is with me since since ever is yesterday's solution is creating today's problems or today's solutions is creating tomorrow's problems so whatever solution you're creating with that it's gonna make new problems yeah. like again and and that is good that is normal and then you go on the next iteration you know like kind of a retro and then like you keep improving on things it's the exact same thing as conflict you 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 have to you have to take some risks you know that none of not all of them work and i always go back i played a lot of online poker and i always go back to having a pair of aces if you look at a pair of aces you are subjectively convinced that you're going to win the hand but if you're playing against one person you're 80%. You have 80% chances to win. And you basically take away 10% for every new player that's added. And so that's just what life is. It's just statistics. Uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And, and, and you have to, yeah, you have to accept the fact. And I actually want to tie this back into what we were talking about, the cycles before, where you learn until, you exp until you're ready to expand and really thrive. Because I think we go through these phases where you thrive, you thrive, you thrive, and you reach a point where, okay, it's going to be back to the drawing board and you hit rock bottom and then you go back up again. And on the short time frame, I've had quite a few thriving periods of like two weeks, 10 days, three weeks, but I, I'm still waiting for that long-term thriving period and it's fucking coming. 
Like I can feel it. It's been, mm-hmm. it's been the expansion has been, and I'm saying this, like, I don't need to convince myself because I'm convinced of it. I'm saying this also because this is exciting for the people who are joining me and my projects right now, because like, we're all going to take flight together. And that's super, I don't know how you use this information as an investor, but I think there's value in this, in, in understanding that like the past doesn't predict the future. Um, you need to know where your founders are. You need to know who your founders are. How do you do this with, with anonymity? Like it raises all of these, all of these questions. Now I'm really, I almost don't want to put my money anywhere until I've met the founders now. And until I felt like personally, like, okay, where are you on your journey? And it's like, you're speaking out a lot of my feelings and thoughts. Like I, I was talking with like venture capital friends of mine as well. And this was like, and I feel it, it might even be like a thing, like also that conversation, which I was mentioning before, you know, like of a big company, which like feels like they don't have their shit together organizationally. And, and in terms of like people management, nobody's looking at that, right? Yeah. Like everybody looks, oh, this is the project, this is the technology, yeah. this is the market, this is, you know, the, the area they are focused in. And, and it comes down, it's like the most crucial thing. Like if your teams are not working together, like the project, I mean, possibly it's going to last long or like, like mm. but it's never going to thrive entirely um, sustainable on a long term. Right, if you don't have the culture in, in the team. It's so difficult. Yeah, I don't know how, but I have this kind of research project in the back of my mind, you know, like I'm talking to so many people and I have this qualitative um, information from like all these companies and, and I'm so excited, you know, like to see which ones are going to make it, where if they're feeling this is an amazing team, you know, like mm-hmm. you're definitely one of them. Like you're one of the few teams where I was like, I was asking you when we were speaking before, like, yeah, so how is it like in, in your team? It's like, yeah, we all have space and express our emotions. I mean, everybody's, anybody is down. There's like space for everything. And we have an awesome team culture. Like we don't need you basically, you know, <laughs> from the outside. We won't either. We don't and, need you right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like so amazing. Cause like, the most project like like people are just challenged with this thing of team formation or an organization on a small level or like on a big level i just want to say like for full transparency that we were and we're still far from perfect like i don't think there's a perfect uh there's no perfect team there's no perfect people there's it just doesn't it just doesn't happen and and sometimes you're going to trust someone and you're going to be right and and sometimes you're going to trust the same person at a different time and be wrong a lot of this thing also comes down to to damn luck sometimes you're going like who would have thought i i mean we i talked about it on the previous podcast it's probably going to come up but who would have bet against ftx honestly like there are a few very very smart people in this world who had maybe personally met SPF and 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 just trust their intuition and like Elon Musk claims that he does uh, that he met him or like that he talked to him and just called bullshit on him. But like we're all wrong. I was planning on slowly like going there. I was actually seriously considering Luna as a long term thing because I like I didn't even question it despite my better judgment despite. Uh, like it just didn't make any rational sense. And yet, because you have millions of people in the world who trust it, it just like we're all sheep in the end, no matter how smart we are, how, how smart we're, how smart we think we are. 
we follow people we trust and yeah, all of this say there's no safe bet. So hedge your, hedge your investments, diversify your portfolio, know your risk profile. It's, it's yeah. And I did not talk to anybody from Luna or from FTX, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would have been interesting. I don't know. Like how he's so interesting. Cause that would be so really, yeah. Like, cause often it trickles down not always right sometimes they're like like in the boardroom in the top they just mm-hmm. do their thing and nobody knows about yeah. it i mean people didn't know but still there's like a certain culture that can trickle down like how how unorganized things seem to be yeah. with the ftx thing and if you uh, yeah i mean if there's any ftx people listening to this please reach out to me i'd really love yeah, to and me too also luna people and me too <laughs> actually and if they reach out to you please tell yeah. me because but yeah the what what's what's really um what's really cool in what you're saying and is that things work until they don't and so you can rationalize any type of behavior and that's what these people are really good at doing when you have a dictator when you have a manipulator they what they are very good at doing is making you do things that are beyond what you would normally feel like doing and they rationalize it have you watched the Epstein show? The Epstein documentary on Netflix? Mm, no. Holy fuck. Holy shit. Just watch it. Honestly, it's, it's, uh, it is mind boggling that someone was so good at manipulating other people that they were capable of doing this at that scale. It is just, for me, it is the absolute masterclass in how to be an asshole at scale and and how to be a manipulator at scale and it shows you it it says a lot about about humans and and how to you see this in scams and rock pools as well like they're they're able to identify weaknesses in people and they're able to identify triggers uh, emotional psychological triggers to uh, generate a behavior and i was when, when, when talking, I thought back to, I, I thought I saw a thread on Twitter about SBF and a conversation that he had with one of his C member. And when you think about it through the context of the collapse of FTX, it's just like, oh, okay, it makes sense. It makes sense that uh, this type of person would end up in this position. But when you're in it, when FTX is still a multi-billion, very much trusted company that you are the genius, the the whiz kid of crypto and all of that, then when you're the person on the other side of it, what are you going to do? Because like that person is a god. The company that you're working on, that you're working for is will make you one of the most wealthy people, one of the most respected people in your profession. And so it just, it justifies a lot of things. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of psychopaths yeah. in boardrooms and uh, on top of obviously <laughs> crypto companies as well. And, and it's normal. It's mm-hmm. natural. Just like you said, like they know how to manipulate. They know how to play with other people's emotions. I mean, that's the psychopath thing, right? They don't, have the empathy themselves so they train 100% perfectly to like be able to mimic and 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 um, play with the emotions of other people mm. and um that's what's happening in the world i mean they are there i mean it's it's like it's also never black and white right there's this psychopath checklist or like like this test where you can like like see and there's like a lot of books written about it yeah but ultimately those people are 
yeah, end up in these positions. And that's this world. And it's normal. I mean, <laughs> this whole crypto world is not so different compared to the the, the yeah. world outside, the economic world outside on steroids, right? I mean, the Absolutely. whole market, the chart is like, like stock market on steroids with the same emotions, just like all a bit more crazy. It's the same startup scene, just everything a bit more crazy because like more community, more competition, everybody, everything more fast-paced, the technology uh, development, everything mm. is like... The fast. volatility, the yeah. financial opportunity, yeah. everything. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, everything. It's, and and still, we're, we still have our same brains and our same emotions, which we fall mm. trap on. And then we come back to the beginning of the conversation. How do we handle this as a human being? Like without breaking down emotionally also like these financial things right like when markets go up and down or like ftx or like with with fucking luna i lost a lot of money with ust because oh, I, I just thought like yeah it's like so safe. A stable coin with the biggest yield that like, yeah. I, I don't even want to play the luna. you know i keep it safe and put it in a stable coin and then it's like okay lesson learned you know or another yeah yeah another life lesson thing you know what this is probably actually the best segue into what uh, might be the the last part of this conversation let's talk about psychedelics man oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I initially wanted to bring it up just from the beginning because it's 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 an important component it's a, a point where you and i both met like just talk to me about psychedelics the role they've played in your life and and how they seeped into how you approach coaching and all of that i also think no we should have started the conversation with it yeah you know, like i like starting my um when i have presentation and talks i'm like Who's into psychedelics? And then everybody listens. <laughs> My intro with psychedelics, interestingly enough, I was never like the party drug guy. And so maybe seven, eight years ago, yoga friends of mine told me about this thing where they would go into the room with like this guy from the Netherlands and everybody would drink something and then vomit in buckets and get like crazy epiphanies about things. And she didn't even drink or smoke or okay. anything. I was like, what the fuck? What are you doing there? And then I got curious and learned about ayahuasca and just out of curiosity, I like went to one of these events and that was like my first actual psychedelic substance experience back then. And mm. it was super amazing for me as a psychologist, as a yogi, as a meditation practitioner, like to fuck, like that's such a beautiful possibility to observe your mind, right? Stan Groff, one of the pioneers, right? I said like, Psychedelics can be what a magnifying glass is for a biologist with your mind. It can give you like a deeper understanding of how you function or how, how your whole system functions. Besides spiritual possibilities, yeah. whatever, like, you know, like might, might come up. And that sparked my interest. And from there, I went to more ceremonies. From there, I was reading up and learning about the whole research on LSD and psilocybin and MDMA. And I've been following that also, like, from just from a scientific standpoint as a, as a psychologist. I find it super interesting. And, yeah, and then I, like, tried that. And I was, like, replicating, in a way, the protocols of the therapy sessions with friends and with myself where we went into... From the beginning, it's always been super intentional and not like the party thing for me. And that's how I've been using it. And it has been of tremendous benefit for my life. I just like understood myself better. Uh, it changed. It actually made me spiritual in a way. I had these experiences where I just was at this point. This is what I experienced. I now decide to believe it, whatever, yeah. you know, any other 
um, state of consciousness is, but what I'm experiencing right now is reality for me full stop because that's what I experience. And since then, like, it, yeah, it's been like like a shift from being agnostic to yeah, there might be whatever. I don't yeah, there's, know. To, there might be something. No, I believe my experience. Like, yeah, I mean, I still don't know, but for myself, I just decide to mm. believe this is like my reality. Yeah, there's um, there's this. Yeah, and then. No, I just yeah. wanted to, to respond to this. No, the, the whole belief to see or see to believe two groups of people in the world. I was very much a see to believe too. Like I need scientific proof in order to believe in something. And and these past these last few years have you years have showed me that believing things will make them happen sometimes. That there are forces, uh, there are things, flows. I don't know how to call them uh, to the Web three people that might listen to this. But yeah, it's um, yeah, psychedelics help in that way. Sorry, I cut you off. What, what did you? Where did you want to go? I love it. Believe to see and see to believe. That's exactly what I was talking. I was shifting from the one as well. Exactly, that was the shift in my my life in a way at some point. Yeah, and then I like I get more and more into that work. Learned about it. Learned with the Mind Institute with like people who do this professionally and started just like supporting like people on a on a small scale with it and i still love doing this and that's mainly with integration coaching just like preparing people for the experiences and giving integration like integration means literally becoming whole mm-hmm. so whatever you experience you want to integrate into your life to change something right otherwise you don't really need to do this <laughs> and or you can do it for fun. I mean, it's also nice to have like the intention of like just having fun together, and that can be. Yeah, I mean, and one can get to the other with that. Yeah, exactly. That that's what I was gonna say. Where you, I think you've had probably the textbook optimal introduction and experience with uh, psychedelics, just exploration from A to Z, and and self exploration, and just curiosity, and and being accompanied by the right people. Whereas I've had the complete opposite experience of um did did mdma for the first time i think in in 2014 and and from then on for like three or four years my experience to these substances was purely quite destructive and 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 the guiding principle was how fucked up can i get and and that was my exploration it was an interesting one i don't regret it per se but I wish someone would have come in at the beginning and told me, hey, um, if you want to do things uh, a little bit better, if you don't want to mess yourself up too much, um, if you want to really make the most out of it, have the right balance between fun and, and learning, this is how you should approach it. And slowly it's morphed into pretty much not doing drugs anymore but when i do them do exactly what you're saying of very intentionally and in all right uh, i'm gonna do this i'm gonna make a ritual around it even these days i don't really smoke a lot of weed anymore but when i do i put an intention in it and i'm thinking all right uh this is what i want out of this this is um this is and it, and it changes everything. There's no more anxiety. There's no more feeling shitty the, the the next day or having the wrong energy. It's just you feel amazing. That's also why I care about talking about psychedelics because that's how we start to educate and and where we give the proper 
um, guideline to people on how to do things. And we open the conversation because that's the one thing that's lacking. It's not a matter of legalization or not legalization. It's a matter of education. If you have the proper education, then you can just let people do whatever they want because then it's their responsibility. They're, they're going to, if you're not just being told, no, don't do that. And you're being told, Hey, if you do this, this is probably the best way to do it. And um, if you do it that way, these are these are the risk. Then, hey, we're all adults here. So yeah, hundred percent agree. And that's where I see my mission as well. I mean, in Web three, there's a lot of psychedelics around. People do it, and um, and I mean, I'm I'm not prescribing anything or tell people what to do. I just love encouraging people to like. Um, yeah, look, look what's possible. Yeah. Just what you described. I mean, you can utilize the substance for personal growth instead of using them for escape from yeah. know, whatever is there or what you don't want to look into. And that is such a big difference. I mean, the one is kind of abuse and the other one is celebration yeah. almost, you could say. <laughs> and Absolutely. Growth. And, I mean, it's a two-edged sword. Oh, it's a super sharp sword, right? It's so <laughs> powerful. It no, fucking messes... With your system, there is dangers connected with it. I mean, MDMA or like like overuse of any substance is like always like like a challenge. And at the same time, they have like so much potential in so many different directions as well. And I mean, the the one is like the the whole healing thing with the therapeutic approach, like where, what's happening, like where where uh, John Hopkins and Maps and all these guys are doing amazing work with like the therapeutics. There's the Saidao, which I'm uh, connected with as well, like who are supporting psychedelic research actually, uh, and like like supporting that. I didn't know about that. Super cool. Yeah, and um, and that is all on the the healing part, on the therapy part of like okay, I'm replacing conventional therapy with psychedelic assisted therapy, which is like super important. There's a lot of unanswered question it's a elite thing as well it's super expensive it's not going to be easy blah 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 but nevertheless it's like it's opening up the whole discussion for the world like about these substances yeah. which is awesome and it's helping people bottom line like the uh, studies are, are so amazingly um convincing in terms of the numbers how they help mm. and then what i'm more focusing on is like the whole growth um self um consciousness and creativity side I know so many people, I think I know five, who started their Web3 projects out of like psychedelic journeys. That makes sense. Like, mostly had like ayahuasca journeys and then kind of got this download. Oh my gosh, this is how to change the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, message received, let's go and do it. And out of that, like projects or, or Marvin, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the Polkadot guy. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, he, he was very vocal about it as well. I for me it, yeah. it 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 wasn't the I I okay I genuinely think that it played a huge role in where I am today so maybe it it wasn't like an instant download of ooh this is what I need to build but it, it participated in 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 making me into the person that would get there eventually but for example one of the I've I've experienced um I've experimented with ketamine quite a bit um I find it a it's it's a very useful substance um as well and and very good for introspection and very good for having the psychedelic effects without the violence of lsd for example and and so i've I, i've done a few trips and it's during one of those trips that i um that i realized oh 
You know, like when you're between two things, you have a tendency to try to hold on to both. Like people who are in, in a relationship, it's not going super well. They meet someone super cool and they're very interested in that new relationship, but they don't want to let go of the past. That's basically where I was at with my two businesses, with the Web3 business and the other business that I was in. And then one day I went into this meditation, this uh, well, uh, substance uh, enhanced uh, meditation. And a, a few, it, it took me a few hours to get there, but a few hours in and I, and I got to this place where I was like, okay, you know what? This is where I need to put all of my attention and my energy in because if I do it, then it, it will bring success to everything in my life, my past, my present, and, 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 and my future. What I really liked about what you said in the beginning about the retreats is the reset part. It's Those substances are so good because when done right, they allow you to take a huge step back, look at yourself from another perspective, and basically rebalance, reweight everything. Oh, this fear was huge. It's not that important, actually. It's just I've been so focused. I've been putting it so much. I've been giving it so much energy that it's uh, it's taken a huge uh, spot in my in my mind. But it's not actually that important. And so, yeah, all of this is so. And there's another beautiful circle back to what we talked about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, remember about the fears of the founders and stuff. Yeah. And say, oh, you have like all these different fears and parts and judgments in yourself. And in the Maps Institute um, for the ketamine um, therapy, they actually use this model of internal family systems in order to prepare people for psychedelic experiences. Oh. So you would like ask your different parts if they are all okay to go into the experience or if there's some resistance from some part you might not be aware of. And then also what they found out, even without telling people about this whole concept of there's parts and there's like yourself, people would report exactly that naturally mm -hmm. in the state in psychedelics, no matter if it's like ketamine or LSD, like people are like, oh, this is like this connected state of like who I am and I can see detached just what you describe oh these are my fears and my things and my parts and my stories i'm i'm engaged and that's the story i can see the story but i'm outside of the yeah. story and reset and understand and take a different angle and perspective on things yeah it helps you objectivize your life a little bit yeah yeah, very, very often, very often, yeah. Ah, uh, what a cool conversation. Uh, I know you yeah. have other engagements, and so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... Yeah, I, I would love to, because also, like, taking one last circle back, um, because it's just been uh, a recent, uh, yeah, big experience for me as well, like, talking about psychedelics, like, whoever's listening to this. Um, I also had, like, the most terrifying experience kind of recently on psychedelics as well. That was like in September when I was like having mm -hmm. my burnout thing that actually happened in an ayahuasca ceremony where I went into the ceremony like not in a good state, not in a good mindset. And this whole setting was, um, yeah, I wouldn't blame the setting. It was like mainly myself, yeah. like the, the mindset I was in and there's nothing to regret afterwards. However, it, it put me into like a psychedelic emergency mode where I needed help. Never had that before. Like part of my ego died as well, which they, oh, I'm always good in psychedelic. I can handle it. Mm. I'm, you know, like helping other people with this. It expanded my horizon. It made me learn. It made me humble about the whole thing because it's really not just like another thing to do. It's 
it's really a big thing if you go especially like on, on like higher doses mm. or like stronger psychedelics so it's it's really a two-edged sword but yeah so whoever like wants to try like do it but do it yeah carefully people you really trust and carefully and get good guidance and like really good guidance like don't do it because of fomo yeah. just uh, really listen to yourself it's the, the right time in the right place and then I, I think some of my most fruitful experiences have been quote unquote bad experiences because I don't know you're it puts you in a very vulnerable state yeah it, it just pushes you to look deeper than you've looked before to look more in the face of your fears than you have before and and that's where most of the growth happens and I, I think I I've heard it from somewhere but when they say that in a in a psychedelic session you do 10 years of growth like there's so much truth to that yeah 10 years of ser therapy right yeah 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 and and I so much agree I mean that experience this whole experience of breaking down in the ceremony and like months and weeks of depression afterwards and like it was like my darkest time in my mm. life and just like you said right now like it's been necessary in my life as well because I, I had never been there yeah. I hadn't seen it and it makes me a better person it makes me a better coach and I just see from there there's like so much depth it's giving myself for like further growth absolutely and Osho said like the deeper the roots the, the higher the, the branches yeah. of the tree right and that's that's like the thing I kept telling me and and I, I agree, but if you do it for the first time, maybe you don't want to aim for that, you know. No, first time, like, perfect like, dose, perfect setting, uh, and perfect people, yeah. and and there there are like good ground rules. Uh, before we before we we cut this off, uh, who are the people that you want to talk to these days? Who are you looking for? Who should reach out to you? FTX people, please. <laughs> FTX Luna people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please come here for some therapy and uh, you know, like an exchange. Yeah, and and then really anybody like in Web three with who who's excited like who's inspired by what uh, what i do and who's interested in in what i do mm. and um i'm super excited to just talk to people in the space and learn that's awesome that's what i do and, and i can i can vouch for him i've done a session and it's 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 top notch in it and it will help a lot of people into either you're just starting with your introspective work or you're you're advanced um there's a lot of value in it Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. What, a, what another man. beautiful conversation for the books. And yeah, I look forward to the next one already. Yes. Many more to have, my friend. And yeah. all the best with you and Evans. It sounds amazing what you're doing. Thank you. So, Thank you. All the best. And cool. I really believe in you. Thanks. I appreciate Thank it. You so it goes much. straight to my heart. The universe sings.